It's Wednesday, December the 15th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, England's new vaccine pass and Pfizer's promising antiviral treatment. First, the world in brief. A Covid pass began operation in England despite a rebellion by MPs from the ruling Conservative Party, 99 of whom defied the Prime Minister Boris Johnson by voting against the measure on Tuesday. The bill, which also contained other steps to contain Covid-19, passed easily with opposition support. Patrons of large venues must now show proof of vaccination or a negative test result. The government also abandons the hotel quarantine requirement for arrivals from, quote, red list countries. Britain recorded 59,610 cases on Tuesday, the most since January. Pfizer said that its antiviral drug, Paxlovid, appeared to offer good protection against the Omicron variant of COVID-19. Initial tests found it 89% effective at reducing the risk of hospitalisation and death in high-risk adults. Separately, a preliminary study by a private health insurer in South Africa found that two doses of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine give 70% protection against hospitalisation for those infected with Omicron. Japan admitted to overstating economic data that feeds into the country's GDP statistics. The country's newish Prime Minister, Kushida Fumio, so the government had been, quote, rewriting construction order data received from builders since 2013. Analysts think the impact on past GDP numbers is small, but say it could damage the credibility of official statistics. Sergei Tikhonovsky, a Belarusian opposition activist, was sentenced to 18 years' imprisonment, stemming from his attempt to challenge the country's thuggish president in elections last year. A popular YouTube vlogger, he was arrested before the vote. His wife, Svetlana Tikhonovskaya, campaigned in his place and later fled to Lithuania. Most Belarusian dissidents are in jail or in exile following the recent crackdown. Annual wholesale price inflation in America hit 9.6% last month, the highest reading since record-keeping started in 2010. Prices rose by 0.8% between October and November. Wholesale price rises tend to augur high consumer prices. Inflation will be top of mind as the Federal Reserve meets on Tuesday and Wednesday and weighs whether to tighten monetary policy faster than initially planned. Natural catastrophes caused insurance losses of $105 billion in 2021, according to an estimate from Swiss Re, a reinsurer. That is the fourth highest figure since 1970 and 17% higher than last year. Extreme weather events, fueled by climate change, are becoming increasingly costly. The most expensive events this year were Hurricane Ida and Winter Storm Uri in America and flooding in Europe in July. Births in Italy fell last year to their lowest in the country's history. The average birth rate for Italian women was around 1.2, one of the lowest in the world, and well below the 2.1 needed to maintain population levels. The average age at which Italian women had their first child rose to 32.7, a record high. 
And fact of the day, 53 trillion yuan, 8.3 trillion dollars or 52% of China's GDP. The debt racked up by Chinese local government financing vehicles, LGFVs. These odd financial instruments threaten the country's financial system. And now here's today's agenda. America's fight against inflation. The Federal Reserve will probably announce on Wednesday that it is increasing the pace at which it reduces, or quote, tapers, its monthly asset purchases. On the bank's current schedule, bond buying will fall from $90 billion in December to zero in June. America, however, has an inflation problem. In November, consumer prices were 6.8% higher than a year earlier. The size of the Fed's balance sheet probably does not have a decisive effect on prices. To fight inflation, what is really needed is higher interest rates. But the Fed has previously signalled that it will stop buying bonds before it raises rates. Doubling the pace of tapering would allow it to raise rates in March, which leaves plenty of time for the inflation problem to worsen, perhaps because of the spread of the Omicron variant. That could make America's monetary policy look even further off course. A stronger response to China's weakened economy. China's economy is facing, quote, triple pressure, according to its leaders, who gathered on December 10th at the annual Central Economic Work Conference to set their priorities for the year ahead. Demand is shrinking, supply is strained and expectations are weakening. Figures released today showed retail sales growing by only 0.5% in the inflation-adjusted terms in November, compared with a year earlier. And the housing market remained weak. The price of new homes in 70 big cities fell by 0.3% on average compared with the previous month. Some cautious optimism about China's near-term prospects is returning, though. Exports from China to other parts of Asia were, quote, solid in November, points out J.P. Morgan Chase, a bank, suggesting some healing of international supply chains. Local governments are issuing more bonds, which should soon bolster investment spending. As for confidence in the economy, that will have been lifted by the conference itself, which promised to preserve what China's leaders call the, quote, six stabilities, employment, finance, trade, foreign and domestic investment, and expectations. Muslims hounded in India's premier satellite city. Gurgaon looks like a high-tech beacon of 21st century prosperity. Adjoining Delhi, the city is a magnet for startup investment and is also part of the agricultural state of Haryana. As in nearly all of India, Hindus make up a solid majority of Haryana, of 87%, with Muslims the largest minority, at 7%, according to the census in 2011. For the past two months, Hindu vigilantes have been harassing those who offer Friday prayers, or namaz. On December 10th, the state's chief minister, Manohar Lal Qatar, lent his support to the vigilantes, 
saying that namaz, quote, will not be tolerated in the open. Gurgaon's Muslims say they will petition the Supreme Court this week for protection. They have company, of a sort, among Christians in the southern state of Karnataka, 65 kilometres from Bangalore, whom right-wing book burners set upon this week. Neither can expect relief from the Prime Minister, Narendra Modi, who spent Monday being broadcast on state television from the centre of elaborate Hindu rituals. Civil war in Ethiopia drags on. The twists and turns of Ethiopia's civil war show little sign of abating. Just last month, Tigrayan rebels were within 160 kilometres of the Ethiopian capital, Addis Ababa, and looked set to remove Abiy Ahmed, the Prime Minister, by force. Foreign embassies warned their citizens to pack their bags. Abiy declared a nationwide state of emergency and pledged to lead his troops in person at the battlefront. Since then, he has scored some important victories. Federal forces are pushing the Tigrayan People's Liberation Front, the rebel army that called the shots in the federal government until 2018, northwards. Abiy has already told several fellow African leaders that the war is all but over. Yet he would be wise not to speak so soon. This week, the TPLF recaptured the holy city of Lalibela, a UNESCO heritage site. The rebels may be down, but they are far from out. Women at the World Darts Championship Almost two years ago to the day, Fallon Sherrock became the first woman to win a match at the World Championship of Darts. To euphoric cheers at Alexandra Palace in London, she beat Ted Evitz 3-2. On Wednesday, she will have another go in the 2021 event. She and another British woman, Lisa Ashton, will try to claim some scalps in the male-dominated sport. Miss Sherrock's performance in 2019 vindicated the Professional Darts Corporation's decision in 2018 to reserve two of the 64 spots at its prestigious World Championship for women. Previously, women had appeared only when the PDC opted to award wildcards, which it did once in 2000 and again in 2008. Two spots is a long way from parity. But fans, who love an upset, now have a greater chance than ever before of seeing a woman make darting history. Winter Quiz Week 1 It is time for another battle with our baristas. This week, we'll serve you a new question each day. On Thursday, your challenge will be to give all four answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 5pm GMT on Thursday to editor-espresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Friday. Wednesday Which American space programme succeeded Mercury and preceded Apollo? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Christopher Hitchens, who died on this day in 2011. Intellectuals never sound more foolish than when posing as the last civilised man.
That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 